Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we talk about strategies, advice, and success stories for relaunching your career after a career break. This is Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO of I Relaunch, and I'm your host today. Today, we are speaking with Leanne Dance, a former CNN producer who relaunched her career as a documentary filmmaker after a 10-year career break. She is now both a contract producer for the U.S. State Department Foreign Press Center and an independent documentary filmmaker. Hi, Leanne. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, Carol. It's such a privilege to be here. Thank you. Yes, and I should say that Leanne and I go way back. Uh, I, I feels like almost 10 years I, when we were starting I relaunch. I think it was even after that. But I remember meeting you very early on uh, when you were just relaunching your career and uh, trying to figure it all out. And it's so wonderful for us to have you here today, Leanne, because we have so many relaunchers who want to know about how to return to a work in work in a more of a creative field. We have a lot of finance stories and programs and technology, but being in the producing and independent uh, documentary uh, making field is something brand brand new to me and also um, that many of our relaunchers are interested in. So I wanna know if you can just talk to us a little bit about your background and how you went about your relaunch being in this field. Huh, that's a very complicated, maybe even long story, but I was completely out of the workforce for probably a good, oh, maybe eight to 10 years, yeah. And then I started, I was an adjunct professor in broadcast journalism at a a local university here, George Mason University. And that was a great way for me to get back in and sort of reconnect with just the concepts of what I had done before. And I really loved working with students. But it was also sort of um, the beginning of the digital age. And I had come from videotape and the transition was being made to digital. And I, I was asking my students to do things I knew nothing about. And after five years of teaching them broadcast journalism and not knowing the digital side of it, I felt a little bit like a phony. <laughs> and, and I decided to stop being an adjunct teacher and learn the digital side of it. And so I did. I did that. I stopped. And I threw myself into the learning process um, for digital technology. I learned how to shoot and edit. I took uh, week-long classes. I did lynda.com. I just really started to throw myself into that side of it so that I was up to speed even if I didn't want to be a camera person for the rest of my life or edit video for the rest of my life, I felt like I needed to at least know how this stuff worked. Can you tell us a little more detail about these courses? Were they... Sure. Did you actually have to take a camera and start, like, like were they, were you sitting at home? Were they in person? Were they active? Like, how did it, how did it work and how did you develop these skills again? So um, I took two week-long classes at Columbia University where I actually went up there for a week 
and uh, was in residence. And that was a very hands-on class. We were handed cameras and microphones, and which is very different from the days when I first started out in TV when we had a sound person and a camera person and a producer. So it was a three-person team. Now it's very much a one-person doing, doing it all. And that was very intimidating to me, um, particularly picking up a camera and not knowing all the different buttons. <laughs> but right. we, were th- we were thrown in and we had to shoot a piece, develop it, shoot it, and then come back in and edit it. So it really was a crash course in those elements. And I really liked it. And so I did a second, more advanced course on that. Um, And then at home, I did a lot of classes online, so lynda.com. But I also did- Lynda.com, just for everyone knows, was acquired by LinkedIn and it's now called LinkedIn Learning, but the same Ah, courses are- Okay, wasn't wasn't realized, I didn't realize that they had changed names, but I found that just a tremendously useful resource. Uh, I also took advantage of um, Apple's uh, the Apple teaching programs in the stores. Okay. Once when you buy something, you then become eligible to go in for free training. So I purchased uh, software and a and a desktop computer, and I went in over and over and over again while they taught me how to edit video using um, you know various software programs. And it was free. It was absolutely free. Now, granted, I had to buy the hardware. (laughs) But once I did that, um, I basically got free training and I would sit in there for hours and and work through this. And then I had somebody to turn to and say, hey, I don't get this. Can you help me? Um, It's a tremendous resource. And I don't think enough people know about it and take advantage of it. But it really is a great resource. And that really got me going with the editing. And once I felt I could do those things, then I started to take on doing some little short videos for what I felt were nonprofits I really wanted to help out. And I didn't charge anything because, again, it was for me a learning process. I really wanted to immerse myself and and learn this before I started charging for it. And so I did that for a little while. And then I, you know, slowly began to charge fees for it. But I have to say, I I don't particularly enjoy being a camera person. Uh, To me, it's still rather intimidating. It's not my, uh, not my sweet spot at all. I am very much a logistical person, uh, thought, the thoughts, the creation, uh, the development. And so, um, I wanted to gravitate more towards that. And about five years ago, I would say, a friend came to me with an idea for a documentary film. And I then grabbed that and ran with that for the next four years. You know, I have to say, so I I have to tell everyone that Leanne and I go back a long time. And we met when Leanne was very early on in her relaunch. And Leanne, I don't know if you remember, but you actually did some videos yep. for us at iRelaunch. Um, you came to one of our conferences. Um, we did uh, iRelaunch Tip of the Week videos. Incredibly yep. well done, very high quality. And these were videos that you had, you were producing when you were 
early on trying to understand how to use all the technology. Yep. I, I yep. remember yep. that. Those were fun to do. Those were really fun. <laughs> and also it shows people what the progression can sometimes look like. You know, you're taking courses, you're educating yourself, then you're doing work for the nonprofits in some cases on a volunteer basis, but you're building a portfolio. Uh, then maybe you get some work with a small company like ours, and then it all of a sudden blossoms into something that that's bigger, but you're ready to take on that opportunity because of all these steps, these baby steps that you've taken along the way. Absolutely, yep, no doubt about it. Um, what I have to say, you know, I was very lucky in that I had spent nearly a decade at CNN before I did my career break. And that helps me to this day. Um, if I have one regret, it's that during my 10-year career break, I didn't keep myself involved a, at least a little bit. I wish I had done that a little bit more, although it's, it's very difficult, especially when you have four kids. I, I, I do regret that a little bit, but the fact that I had that experience at CNN still serves me very well. I mean, when I am out on speaking engagements, people still want to talk to me about that world, and it does help me as I, you know, uh, apply for other jobs, which I'm still doing. And in fact, you know, the fact that I am now a contract producer with the State Department, uh, I, I didn't even have to really interview for the job. They called me up and said, we'd like to meet you. We think you'd be a good fit. And that was about it. And that it really helps that I had that foundation to build on. Even if I had the big break, I had a good foundation. Right. Um, big breaks don't just come come around. Uh, usually they're, they sound like they're overnight, but they're based on years and years of something that happened before. So, um, and, the, and the other point that you're making, I, I think is important to emphasize when, you know, we're all on career break and both you and I took career breaks for childcare reasons and we both happen to have four children, but, you know, people are taking career breaks for a whole range of reasons. Right. It could be elder care, um, a, a personal health issue. And sometimes, you know, you're not really in a position to be taking on roles or, or giving yourself the right, um, like, touch points, even though they might be low key to keep in touch with your, your profession because you're doing what you're on career break for. Absolutely. So uh, I, it's really important for people to, uh, to hear what you're saying, that you didn't do anything relevant to your career while you were on career break, yet uh, even after 10 years, you were able to take these steps, um, the in-person, uh, very hands-on courses you were taking at Columbia, the online courses that you were taking through lynda.com, now LinkedIn Learning, um, and then stepping out into making actual uh, videos for nonprofits and then for companies, and then moving to the documentary filmmaking uh, big project that that we we're going to talk about now um you know that all happened even though you didn't do anything related to your career while you were on that 10-year career break so i want people to hear that and be encouraged by it because sometimes people get worried about that yeah the the other thing i would say is if if you're in a creative field you have a certain set of core skills that don't die when you're on career break. They may get a little bit rusty, but they're still there. If you're a good writer, you're a good writer. If you're a good organizer, 
if you can multitask, sometimes those things get even better on a career break. And I found, despite my lack of confidence as I relaunched, I really found that, wow, I can juggle an awful lot more than I used to juggle. And my core skills are still there. I need to refresh them, but I can apply them no matter what. You know, it's interesting because I hear this theme come up sometimes. Someone will say, you know, the principles of multivariates variable statistics haven't changed, but just some of the tools to analyze it have. Or the, um, you know, cataloging system in library science hasn't changed, but it went from card files to something technology-based. And so I'm hearing you almost say the same thing, that there are fundamental skills and principles involved in, in producing. You had to learn the new technology, but that those fundamentals are, are still the same today. Is that true? Absolutely, absolutely, no doubt about that. But the idea that you fearlessly went in to learn this technical side, when you signed up for that first course at Columbia, were you afraid? And and oh. were there other people in there who were like you or were they all much younger and you were you were the only relauncher? Uh, well, first of all, I wasn't fearless at all. <laughs> I had a <laughs> lot of fear. And um, I did feel a bit like the grand dame of that of that first class. And what there, what there were were a lot of um, international journalists who were being sent by their companies to come learn digital technology. And they were actually a little bit resentful because they were going from that three person team down to the one man band. And they were you know very fearful themselves of having to do it all. So it was a really broad range of ages but I most definitely was the only, you know, stay-at-home mom returning to freshen up my skills. Everybody else was sort of in the business, but learning the technology too. Got it. So it was, I was quite fearful that week, um, no doubt about it. But by the second week, I remember very well um, that the, the second course I took just went so much better. And Carol, you had a hand in this. I was doing a piece about a, a relauncher. Right, right. And um, I spent a lot of time with her. And in the evening, I sat down with, in, with her and did a one-on-one -on -one interview. And as we talked about the process of her relaunch, she started to cry. And it was just a very emotional moment. And when I took, when I took that footage back into class the next day, my instructor sat down with me and said, oh my gosh, you got her to cry. Now, it's not like I was manipulating her right. or anything, right. but he just, he just looked at me like, wow, this is great. This is great work. And, and that was nothing special. That's just what I do. And the technology had nothing to do with it. Um, that, that was my core skill. I can interview and bring things out from people. Right. The technology the technology just helped me be able to put it all together afterwards. Yes, and I'm just gonna add as a postscript that that particular relauncher, um, you did capture her story right at the beginning of her relaunch and she has continued to do extremely well and has been promoted a number of times and is still at the same company that she relaunched at. So I'm glad we have the opportunity to talk about that coming full circle uh, at the same time that you and I are talking about your relaunch coming full circle. It's, it's, a, it's a great moment. Um, so 
Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, the documentary that was sort of the, that big project that turned into what you've been working on for, I don't know, is it the last five years now? It's four years, four years in production. Uh, I had a friend come to me five or six years ago with an idea for this film. It was a little book that his great-grandmother had written, and he thought it might be the basis for a good documentary. At the time, when I first read it, it was a little bit confusing to me, and I kind of put it aside, and then my husband got very ill, and I spent a good year being a caretaker. So that was another break from my relaunch. I spent a good year being a caretaker for my husband, but when he became got a little more stable and I felt like I could go back to things, um, it was very serendipitous timing. Uh, my friend Steve called me and said, hey, my cousin Judy is about to go to Eastern Europe to trace her grandmother's story. Would you like to go along? And it was a tough decision for me because my husband was still not quite out of the woods, but I uh, got a friend of mine, an old colleague, to work with me, and we felt confident enough that we could do this. And that was the launch of this four-year project. Wow. Yeah, it was quite an undertaking. Neither one of us, we've both done documentaries before, but we had never done them independently. We'd always had the support of an institution. For us, it was CNN. And CNN handles all the legal aspects and the marketing and the promotion and all that. We had to learn all that on our own and are still learning all that. So it's really been quite a a learning experience, but at no point have I felt overwhelmed. And throughout that experience, I've continued to take advantage of online classes about social media or um, publicity and marketing. Those things I can find online, uh, newsletters, um, you know, seminars, all kinds of things that I can participate in and learn things. And I, I go to uh, networking events. I go to uh, classes. Women in Film and Video offers classes for people to learn various skills. And I, I go to these things and I take notes. And that's how I kind of get up to speed on the aspects of production that I never knew. Right. And can you, along those lines, can you talk about how you were able to get financial backing for this project? Because I, I have to believe that's a key piece of making a serious documentary. So I knew that that was going to be our biggest challenge, especially since I had been um, out of the production field for a little while. So um, my husband and I put up the seed money to get it going. And then once we had some good footage we could use, then we started launching crowdfunding campaigns. And that was another thing I had to learn about. I mean, that's a completely new world for me. But, um, and I, again, I sat in on seminars. I talked to people who had done it. What were the best practices? You know, how, how do you go about doing this? And we did two crowdfunding campaigns, both of them very successful, and that's carried us through. I did a lot of grant writing, an awful lot of grant writing. None of the grants came through, and I do believe that's because this is our first independent production. I 
I do feel, though, that now that we've got this one film under our belts, that it will make it much easier as we move forward applying for future grants for future film projects. Right. And that's another important point that you invested a lot of time doing that, those grants uh, proposals, I'm, I'm guessing. And you didn't actually net any uh, financial backing out of it, but maybe you were establishing relationships or sort of setting a pattern of that they know that you're serious um, and that's going to benefit you later on. Do you look at it that way or do you, would you think if you did it all over again, would you have spent less time on the grant writing and, and more time on, you, you know, when it, one of these online fundraising campaigns or, or an additional one? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I probably sorted through what are the reasonable grants to apply for and the unreasonable grants to apply for. However, uh, you made a good point. There was a lot of relationship establishment in this process. So for instance, we set out to apply to the National Endowment for the Arts for a, a big grant. And, you know, they looked at us a little skeptically because this was our first independent production. They weren't sure that we were going to actually come through and, and be able to pull this off. But we did a work in progress screening at the Washington Jewish Film Festival uh, last May. There was a member of the NEA uh, there. And at the end of it, she said, you guys have just proven to me that you can do this. I'm really impressed with all the archival work that you did. Um, so that was, you know, that will help us moving forward. Uh, we had another grant um, that I applied for twice, Virginia Foundation for the Humanities. Did not get that, but um, just got a note from them saying, we really want to work with you in the future. So, you know, tweak this a little bit more, come back to us. We really want to support you. So it is relationship building. Wow. That, thank you for those very specific examples. I think that is so helpful and and it's so inspirational uh, to tell people that when you, when you lay the groundwork and invest time in something that may not uh, get results right away, but if you're in there for the long game, uh, it's, it's something that's going to benefit you significantly later. Um, I'm just curious, Leanne. Oh, and I why don't I just break for a minute and just tell everyone you're listening to 321 I Relaunch. We are speaking with Leanne Dance, who relaunched as a documentary filmmaker after a 10-year break and also is a contract producer for the U.S. State Department's Foreign Press Center. It's an honor to have her here on 321 I Relaunch, where we're talking about strategies, advice, and success stories for relaunching a career after a career break. And Leanne Dance took a 10-year career break. So Leanne, I want to um, ask you if you feel that, uh, is there anything different about you making this documentary uh, that is because you took your career break? Or do you think if you had transitioned without taking a career break, uh, it would have been the same? Like, is there not a difference? Oh, I have to feel like there is a difference because everything that we do in life impacts us moving forward and gives us new, new, new perspective and experience. Um, the film that I'm doing or finishing up right now is uh, an interesting film. It's based on the story of a Jewish mother of 12 who, after surviving a very intense period of anti-Jewish massacres, 
chose to send two of her children to an orphanage in South Africa, a continent away. And so I can approach that as a mother, understanding the difficulty of her decision and the loss that she felt. So I think I can bring that from my perspective, um, but also I uh, no doubt about it that, that the time management and the organizational skills from my break have served me very well in this role. Um, I'm not sure that I would have done quite as good a job 15 years ago on this film that I feel I did today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I really don't. Yeah, so that life experience it really adds depth to your perspective and, and how you approach the project. And so getting into a logistical piece of it, when you started to make this change and you were relaunching even early on, what, were there changes that had to happen at home in order for you to be able to relaunch or were your kids older or how did you manage that? And especially as you referenced um, with your husband's health condition. When all the kids were home, it was really difficult to engage in the workforce again. And, and I did have um, an au pair for a, a few years and that really helped me. As they got a little bit older, it became easier, most definitely. However, I also found that with teenagers, it's really good to be home in the afternoon. So I liked the flexibility of being able to work at home. And I'm sitting in my home office where I did most of my independent film work. And that has been really great for me to be able to do that, to work from home and have that flexibility. The other thing that's really helped me is my husband has transitioned into also working at home quite a bit. So that helps me a lot. And my position now as a contract producer with the State Department requires me to hit the road for two weeks at a time. And I'll be leaving this afternoon to start my next two-week position. But that one I don't think I could have taken on at all if my youngest wasn't where he is. He's now a senior in high school. And my husband, if my husband weren't around as much as he is, I think all of that would have been extremely challenging. I mean, what do you, you don't get a no pair for a 16, 17-year-old. But you, you do need some presence. Right. And actually, that leads me to one of the other questions I wanted to make sure I asked you is what do you do in this role uh, as a contract producer uh, for the State Department? Can you give us an example or is it classified? Oh, no, it's not classified at all. So I have a team of Estonian journalists arriving this afternoon. They are coming to the country to do a series of reports on integrating immigrants into society because they are struggling to do the same thing in Estonia. So what I do is once I get the story assignment, it's my job to develop it. I do all the reporting, identify who needs to be interviewed. I set up the schedule. Uh, and then when they arrive, I actually accompany them wherever we're going. So for the next week, we'll be in the Washington, D.C. area, and then we go to Houston for a week. But my last story, we were all over the place for, uh, for two weeks. So it's very time-consuming and demanding at this phase of it. And I always kind of worry how, if things are hanging together at home, but it's worked. 
And then do you get advance notice? What, like you can plan on your calendar that you know, you know, a month from now or, or even longer that a foreign press group is going to be coming and you have to block out those two weeks or do you have to kind of respond on the fly? Nope, we get lots of advance notice. There are a whole group of us who do this kind of thing. And once we get the story assignment, we talk to the team of foreign journalists and say, hey, what's your window? And we all come up with a window that works for us. And if I have something on my calendar that I need to work around, that's my priority. We work around that schedule. Yeah. So I, I think this is such an important point because we even have people say, um, for jobs that require travel. Yes, I can travel, but I can't do spontaneous travel. I can only That's do right. planned travel if I know in advance when it's going to happen and I can make arrangements and plan around it. And so this is an extreme version of that where you're going to actually get on the road and travel for a two-week period, but you're saying because you have the ability to schedule it in advance and plan around it, it works for you. Yes, absolutely. I wouldn't take it on. And any all the trips that I did for the film, too, were very much planned. And I was gone for two weeks at a stretch for each of those, too. And it takes a lot of planning to set those up. But when you've got the time, you can do it. Right. Well, I think that's a, that's a really important point. So um, I guess, uh, Leanne, this time has just flown by. And we are so grateful to be able to speak with you about uh, this unique and instructive relaunch. And I know that there are relaunchers out there who are hanging on every word because we, we have a lot of interest in relaunching in what we could call creative careers. So I um, want to know if you can, um, if we can end by, can you give us some advice uh, that you would give to someone who is either on a career break or emerging from a career break who wants to relaunch in a similar uh, way or a similar field to what you have done? I think the biggest thing is to have confidence in your core skills and know that those aren't going to disappear. But when you do choose to relaunch, there are lots of avenues to freshen your skills. And you need to explore those and exploit them and not, they, most of them don't cost much money at all and a lot of them are free. It's just time and you can find the time to do it. And you're going to feel so much more confident having done that when you do relaunch. Thank you. Um, I just one follow up to that that it, it just occurred to me. Did you wake up one morning and realize this is the moment? This is the time I'm going to get this equipment or I'm going to sign up for this course? Or was this something that happened for a longer period and and you contemplated for a while and kind of planned it out? It was progressive for me, and a lot of it had to do with teaching and realizing that my students were far more technologically advanced than I was. Now, we all go through that with our own kids, too, but I just had that feeling of not being the right person to teach anymore if I didn't have the technological skills. And that really was a, it was a gradual process for me where the more I learned, the more I realized I needed or wanted to learn. And now that I've learned all that stuff, I've backed off on some of the things like I don't do camera work now unless I really have to. I don't edit unless I want to. So I've backed off on those things, but I know I can do them. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Well, 
Leanne, thank you so much for being with us. Um, can you tell people who want to find out more information about My Dear Children how they go about doing so? Sure. So we just launched My Dear Children. It aired in uh, South Florida at early January, and we're going to be distributing through the National PBS Network through American Public Television later this year. And in the meantime, we're launching a community screening campaign to bring the film to synagogues, churches, universities, museums around the country over the next year. And you can get information about that on our website at www.mydearchildrendoc.com under Share the Film. You'll find information about how to get a screening kit so you can show the film in your community. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Uh, it was my pleasure, Carol. I, um, we go back a ways. I'm very fond of you. I'm very fond of iRelaunch, and so I'm happy to help in any way I can. Thank you so much. You've been listening to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we talk about strategies, advice, and success stories on returning to work after taking a career break. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thank you very much.